It's good to be here tonight, and um, I want to extend my thanks to Charity for um, having us and Shady Grove and Oak Hill and all that have come. Uh, it's truly a blessing to be able to come together um, in such a place where we can hear the things that drive us down the road. And uh, I'm thankful. Um, I'm thankful for God's word, and I'm also thankful for people that have an ear for God's word. And um, Brother Kevin uh, did mention that um, tonight might be a very unusual approach to Scripture, um, but there's a lot of unusual things in the Bible. And there's great mysteries there. And um, I'm going to take you through a, a visual journey using one of my paintings. And this is a recent painting I just finished, so it's very fresh to me. And um, let's just see what the Lord will do with this. And so I'm going to start this, and if you can cue the, the lights, and we'll get started. So this painting is um, actually very small. It's about 10 by 10 inches. And uh, I paint most of this painting with a triple zero brush, meaning that means not much to you, but to me, that's about three or four hairs on a little tiny brush. And um, one of the things that has always impacted me about God's Word, there was a message that Brother Don Sable preached when we were at Hurricane in 2009. And he used the text that I'm going to use tonight which is found in the book of James, chapter 4. And um, in that message, a series of messages, he, he used the phrase that is found in verse 14 of chapter 4. And it's a very interesting verse and certainly in, inquires a question of discovery. And so... With the Lord's help, I'm, I'm hoping to do that tonight in using this image and God's Word. I will say that my paintings are no new revelation. I believe that God's Word is the ultimate revelation. Just in case that anyone needed to know that, I'm just putting that out there for you. And I do believe that. And so, but there are things about this painting that even I didn't see um, while I was painting it until... I began to open the scripture and saw the rel relevance in the work. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. James chapter 4 verse 14 says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanish, vanisheth away. Now this is a question. What is your life? It's not just, um, it's not a short question. This is, a, this is taking a long, long look. And it's a question to inquire discovery. He's asking you to find something. And so, as we look at this painting, 
He's going to take us on a journey and a lesson of looking. Lessons of looking. So when we see this painting, let's just assume they're not what you seem them to be. Now, we know these objects because they're in the southern region of our country. In fact, I didn't know about them until I came here. But these are muscadines. And anyone that knows muscadines knows that they're very unique in their flavor and in their shape. And these objects were collected over a period of two or three weeks. And as I collected them, I have a place that I put all my objects and hold them before I paint them. And I watch them. And I watch these objects for about three or four weeks. In that time, I would take pictures as they would change. And so what you see is a collection of just a few of these objects that changed. I had maybe 40 or 50 of these in my still life box. And so I've collectively organized and composed this image by bringing these, all these objects together into one place. And so let's look. So perhaps they can communicate more than what the eye can see. That's possible. One artist said this way. He said, I do not paint a portrait to look like the subject. Now he'd have a lot of problems with commissions, wouldn't he? If he painted a portrait that's supposed to look like somebody, they probably wouldn't pay him if it didn't look like them, would he? And so he said, I don't paint a portrait to look like the subject. Rather, does the person grow to look like his portrait? Now that's deep, isn't it? Because what that is saying is, what I see may not be what you see. And so this is a lesson on looking. You see muscadines... I see people. You see objects, inanimate objects. I see moving, moving people. So when you're looking at these, try to look past with these eyes and try to look to see where the image is growing into be. So let's look. One of the greatest quotes that I can mention tonight was given to me by the great Don Sable. And when he came to my studio for the first time, he came to my studio and he just stood there and kind of took it all in and looked. And this is what he said. This is a quote by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Earth's, earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit round and pluck blackberries. Now tonight, if you don't take your shoes off, you're not going to see anything. Please don't take your shoes off. <laughs> the McCamies can get away with it. You can't, okay? Just going to say that. I'll say this too in, in God's Word. He says in 1 Corinthians one twenty seven, and this is, the, this is really the heart verse that I use when I talk about my work because it's all about what these objects are able to do through the formal elements of design and color. And then also I, I think that the touch of God is a big part of this. 
But in 1 Corinthians 1.27, he says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I like that. And so, why do I paint objects and not people? Well, you're just going to have to listen. And you can all walk away tonight saying, I can talk about a painting. And how many tonight could talk about a painting right now? Maybe not a lot. But tonight, hopefully, you can talk about a painting. I was thinking about in places in the scripture where God has approached man in the same way. A lot of times we, even as people, we go through our life overlooking so much in pursuit of something that is so much greater, and we're missing so much because our ear is not tendered to the quiet voice of the Lord. And so I was thinking about Moses. I want to read something for you, and it'll bring back a lot of memories, I'm sure, but when I read this again, it just... It says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the mist of a bush. (laughs) And he looked. And behold. There's a big difference in in those two words. You can look at something, but there's a difference in looking and beholding. And Moses (laughs) was beholding. He was looking beyond these eyes, and he started looking with this eye. This is what he says. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush, can you believe it, was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, he said, here am I. He said, draw not nigh hither, but put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Brother Don, I wonder if Miss Browning was thinking about that when she wrote that poem. He who takes off his shoes sees. <laughs> What was Moses even intending to find on the backside of the desert? He was looking for life for his flock. But he didn't intend to find a burning bush. I want you to think about this because this, this, this really clarifies the point that I'm making that we can look over so much in our life and miss the very things that God has put in our way that we might see him more clearly, and we walk right past him. Imagine if Moses decided to just play that off like it was nothing and walked away. But you know what? God knew exactly what would get his attention, and he made him stop in his tracks that he had to look, and he had to ponder what it was he was seeing. So could we surmise that things aren't always what they appear to be? When we look at life and we look at things, could we surmise that they're not always what we think they are? James says, what is your life? 
He's asking for a long look, not a glance. And to behold something, you have to give time for whatever you are seeing to unfold to you. Why was it that the Lord, that during his journey, he would get apart to pray? He had to have time to consider and think about the things that the Lord had asked him to come to do. Yes, he was God, but he was also doing the Lord's will, wasn't he? As we look at our life, we discover it to be many things. When we, if someone were to ask your, you the question, what's your life? What's it about? But do we ever classify our life as James puts it? He says, it is a vapor. He said it appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. Is that how we describe our life? Seems very odd to describe it that way. But James has taken a long look. He's looking at it from a perspective of from youth to old, and he's seeing everything between, and he knows that there's more to life than he could ever come to know. And he's seeing what he's missed, and he's seeing what we can miss. But do we ever classify our life as temporary? I think not, because I think that until the we th- and until we're faced with life's limitations, we don't consider its impermanence. When someone is taken away from you from life, you begin to think about how, life, how precious life is, don't we? When we're faced with an illness that leads us to the place where this may be the end, we start thinking about life's limitations. And we start thinking about, well, what is my life? What is this all about? What have, I, what have I done my whole life to lead me to this point? And what is it worth living for? Where is this going? But our physical life has limitations, doesn't it? It sure does. It doesn't last. It does not last. So to take advantage of what life has to offer, we must understand what it is. What is your life? When you think about what a life is, I think about it as a lot of different things. Life certainly brings experience. It brings growth. It brings relationships. It brings memories. But it also brings love, joy, melancholy, and sadness, doesn't it? And so in this image, I've enlarged it so you could see the fact that each one of these objects are in a different state of life. Each one of them are at the beginning or at the end or in the middle where there's scars that have taken place from life experience. So when we look at this painting, we're seeing a full picture of a a collective picture of of a person's life, the beginning, the end, and somewhere between. The course of life brings us to these things, experience, joy, relationships, but what is the product of that? 
The product of these things become what they lead us to. Think about a great experience that has happened in your life, tragic, sad, happy, and there has been a product from that. It's led you somewhere or to someone. It's challenged the way that you think. It challenges the way that you walk. And so it's interesting that we find this in here, and he asks us, what is your life? I have another question for you, though. Where has your life led you? Where has your life led you? I'm not suggesting that we aimlessly bump around from one place to the next. I mean, I believe that moments are gathered together to bring us to this point. And we see that in the arrangement of these objects. These objects didn't just fly out of the air and fall into my still life box. Many times before I even paint, I've spent months moving an object a half inch this way, a half inch that way. And you'll look at me like I'm crazy, but your wives understand what I'm saying when they move that couch 3,000 times. <laughs> so don't look at me that way anymore, right? But there is, there's just a known understanding of why it looks right. I can't explain that. I try to teach my students how to do that. You try teaching a student how to do something you can't explain. Now, that's pretty difficult. But there are formal ways to do that in, in good design and bad design. But after you know those things, it's sort of like playing by ear on the piano or an instrument. It's, there's an intuitive process that happens that you trust what it is that you know, and you also trust what it is that you feel like is appropriate. And so there's, there's an arrangement that happens that takes place. God certainly knows what he's doing, doesn't he? And when we can open our eyes, we can see it a little clearly, can't we? Sometimes we have a hard time with that, though, don't we? The act of painting, for me, as in life, is looking with purpose and intention. Now, if I just try to guess and find some things that fit together, maybe I could make an interesting painting to some folks. But for me, it wouldn't make, it wouldn't make a difference. It wouldn't have any connection to what I'm doing because it would just be arbitrary things that have been brought together. But when you think about everything that you're doing in a painting, and everything finds its way and fits itself together, there's a harmony that presents itself, and it also gives, gives way to this arrangement that is finding itself to be, and it looks like it was always there. One person, when they wrote about my work, they said, in his paintings, it looks as if the objects... We're there having a conversation long before our approach to the picture. I love that quote. In fact, I use it on my website because it says so much about what I'm interested in. That these are not paintings of just objects that are painted in a way to make them look just like those objects. That's one part of it. But for me, that's the vehicle. That's the way that I get your attention and bring you into the world of looking. And so I give you so much to look at that upon glance and upon entry to the painting, you see one aspect of the painting, but the more that you commit to looking, the more that you can find in the painting. And isn't that the way that we work in God's world? God shows us just enough so that as we see that part of our life, as we invest more 
of ourselves in his life, he reveals more of himself in our life. So you don't see much of God? Then why aren't you looking more closely? Maybe we should get a magnifying glass out. Uh, maybe, we, maybe, we have, maybe we have blurry vision. Maybe we need to get our eyes checked. Maybe we need to get our eye checked. So there's many things to see. You just got to look for them. We know that God doesn't discover. He, did, he has not made to see what he can find. <laughs> God made for the intent for us to find. He has placed, placed within everything a mystery to encourage inspection. He's also placed within us the desire to search for his intention. What Abraham found and Lot found were two separate things, weren't they? Genesis says this about it. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. Before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. Abraham could see with an eye that was very different than Lot could see. Lot looked through these eyes. Abraham was looking through this eye. In fact, Hebrews says this about Abraham. He says that by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. He looked. He looked. Lot saw. Abraham was looking. Lot was looking here. Abraham was looking here. Wasn't it? Didn't Jesus say this? He said that the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Wow. Neither shall they say that neither shall they say lo here or lo there for behold the kingdom of God is within you. Wow. Maybe there's some problems looking because maybe there's no eye. Maybe that's all they can see with. It's very interesting, isn't it? So we know that Abraham wasn't satisfied with man's idea of permanence. And that's what he was looking for. There's a mystery. There's an anticipation that is happening in this painting. The objects are looking toward a direction. And we know that because the light is present and it's beaming on each object... And you can see its effect through the color and through the light that glazes itself on each object. It brings you to each object. And so as the light brings you to each object, it then reflects its connection back to the light. And so it's interesting that just as creation looks to the S-U-N in its distance, yet it feels the heat of its power. The new creation looks to the S-O-N in his seeming distance, yet it's able to feel his presence. 
Now, that's a blessing. If it doesn't bless you, it blesses me. Now, you can go outside on a sunny day and you can feel the presence of heat, but how many, how many miles away is the sun from us? But we know it's there. And just as, as creation knows that the sun is there, we know as a new creation that the S.O. ends just as close, if not closer, because he's right in here. The kingdom of God is within you. I want to talk about this thing of light. John 8, 12 says this, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. Now, I want you to see something. In this painting, there are three divisions, and I didn't see this until recently. And I was thinking about the separation between each object and how it connected to the whole image. But there's an interesting thing that's happening. As the light hits each object, it distinguishes them from each other, doesn't it? We can tell that one object is here, one object is there spatially. We understand where they are. But when you look at how they're separated from each other, there's a whole different conversation that takes place. The separation begins to show something about their own conversation that they're having in the painting. And you look at this and you can think about a section of people here talking and a person over here by himself and then a person over here by himself. They're all having different conversations. And so when we think about this, that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. I want to ask you a question. Which ones have more light on them? Farther away from the light? Or closer to the light? I'm going to read the verse again. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now, if you think about that, think about who's walking close to Jesus. Y'all still with me? Do you get this? I know it's a little different, but it'll help you. Listen, the closer we walk to him, the more light we have to see. The only reason tonight, if they flipped all these lights off, we'd all be grasping and trying to find our way because we wouldn't know where we are. The only reason that you can see me and I can see you is because of light. And as light bathes itself on each object, we see more of that object, but we also see the light that is on that object. Just as we are closer to Christ, we see more of him. We see more of where he's leading us. And get this, people can see more of God on us. I mean, do I, do you, do I need to back up and screen that one? Or, I mean, that's your cue. That's not my cue. I said it. Right? 
the more that light is on us, the more that we can see, and the more that people can see God on us. Isn't that the ultimate point of what we're trying to do? Listen, if we have nothing to, if we have nothing to offer anyone else, the only thing that we should be able to offer is the fact that God's light is laying on us and that as they see us, they see more of him. It's very interesting that, that light shows us that. But walking in light shows us that we can see more of what God has done for us and it shows the world that God is affecting us. I want you to see something. There's another division that's interesting. And so there's a part where the image has been cut. Now, for these objects to be where they were, for me getting them, I had to break them off of the vine. They were separated. Kind of reminds me of a verse that we heard this morning. But Romans 5, 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Right? We were cut. We were cut. We were separated. So by the obedience of one shall many be made, me made righteous. And I want you to see something. I didn't see this until about two days ago. You guys know what that picture is? That's a cross. Just making sure everybody's still awake. This is not an art history lesson, I promise. You don't have to take notes. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about how even in the horizontal plane where these objects are living, they've been cut off from their life source. In the middle of it all, there's been made a way for them to be reconnected. In the middle of everything stands the cross. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. (laughs) I, I like that. So when you see this, you see that there is hope even though these objects are on their way out. These objects are all on their way out. Every one of them are in a different stage of leaving this world. In fact, the day that we're born, we're in the process of dying. And so it's interesting that even in the middle of the life that he's there presenting himself as grace. For he, have, for he have made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says this, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God 
in the face of Jesus Christ. There's one more thing I want you to see. And so as the light comes across and glances on each object, we see its effect. But there's an adverse reaction that's happening in the middle of that light hitting those objects. These branches are dying, they're dead. The vine is dead, it's dying. But I want you to notice something. I, don't, I hope you can see it from where you are. But just in case, I'm going to show you some arrows that might bring you to what I want you to see. But above all that, above all these objects that are moving through the composition, and the light as it hits the, each object, there's something that is happening above each object, and I want you to see it. I knew it would do that. I'll fix this. Yeah, I didn't fix it, did I? Let's try that. Hallelujah. It worked. Look at where the arrows are pointing. Even in the horizontal plane where everything is in its process of dying, there's new growth. I couldn't figure out why in the world I needed to put that there. But I saw this, I was painting this, and that was, none of this was in my photo reference that I took. And I can't explain this. I don't understand why I did it. Now I see it, but I didn't understand at the time why I needed to do that. But there was something about these pieces of growth, these buds that were coming out of dead things. And I'm telling you something. When people see what God can do with just an ordinary person that's already dying, And he puts his creation, his new creation, we become a new creature. Don't be surprised when you start seeing some buds pop up. (laughs) That'll hit some of you tomorrow. (laughs) I'm going to tell you something, though. It is evident that the more that we seek God's light, the more that we can look past Just creation itself, the more that we can see. I want to read one more verse, and that's where I'm going to close. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, these eyes, being understood 
by the things that are made. I believe that's us. Even his eternal power and Godhead. Look here. So that they are without excuse. If you look at a... (laughs) If you look at your azalea bush tomorrow and all you see is green leaves, spring's coming. Spring is coming. Many of us walk through our whole life and we don't see, I would, I would estimate, a portion of what God has put in front of us. I think we miss a lot, Brother Kevin. I really think we do. Me included. But it's amazing. The more we seek his knowledge, the more light he sheds on everything that we look for. And you know what? The more we ask for, the more we pray for, the more we look for, the more that others can see Jesus in us. Brother Kevin.